broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is C.W. Hall, your host. Thanks for joining us on the Midtown Business Show today on Tuesday. I'm very pleased and honored to uh, be joined today by... uh, uh, Dick Calouette of Safari International, the Georgia chapter of that. He's going to be telling us a little bit about one of their humanitarian programs that they have uh, recently started uh, not too awful long ago, but it's really starting to gain some traction uh, to help our wounded veterans, uh, particularly those that are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, our other guest, Tommy Clack of the Walk of Heroes, has been uh, delayed a little bit in arriving today. Uh, as it happens here in the Georgia area, we tend to have trees fall down and get in your way, and uh, that happened to him. So he may be able to join us here after we get started. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk a little bit about uh, the Walk of Heroes Memorial and uh, hear Tommy's story a little bit about what they're trying to achieve. So uh, first off, let me uh, just welcome you, Dick. Uh, Thanks for coming out and taking time to tell us about what you're doing. Be more more than happy, Charlie. Pleasure to be here. And uh, let me just talk a few minutes about Safari Club International Global. Uh, We're the largest sportsman organization in the world. And and we support hunters' rights, the Second Amendment, hunters' advocacy. We've spent, we have 190 chapters around the world, over 55,000 members. And uh, we spent $140 million the past 14 years on hunter advocacy, litigation, etc. Hunters' rights and conservation, the primary objectives. But one of the sidebars is humanitarian issues. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about that today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm blessed to be with a chapter and I'm an old fighter pilot from Vietnam, but I, and I have an, an intimacy with some of these vets. But we've, we support the wounded veterans uh, in our chapter, do fundraisers, and we'll talk about that more specifically. Right. So tell me a little bit about how you came to be involved with uh, the Safari Club International, and then we'll kind of move from there into what you're doing today with the humanitarian effort here for your uh, wounded veterans. Yeah. Well, I've been, a, I've been a member of this chapter in Georgia for about 23 years, and I'm, I'm blessed to be able to go. I'm a sportsman hunt fish, skydive, scuba dive, etc. And uh, this group was, uh, ha- has the same interest, same, same group of people talking, uh, very aggressive group, uh, you know, uh, a- A-type personalities. Own, some folks own their own businesses, business people, uh, blue-collar workers, a cross-section of, of society. So it's, fully a, it's really a broad range of people. You just kind of have to have an interest in, you know, nature and being a part of it uh, and, and helping and hunting and conservation all kind of wrapped together and and so it obviously that's going to incorporate business people and uh folks that may be like you say a little bit more blue collar it's going to encompass just a wide range of people cross section uh, like-minded individuals who want to support hunters rights the second amendment to be able to carry a gun i think that's very very important in today's society we've talked about it a lot and and also the humanitarian issues and I noticed there were several programs that the, the Safari Club International provides that are in the humanitarian vein, helping particularly a lot of people with disabilities of different types uh, be able to get out and experience nature and be able to continue hunting and things like that. Um, tell me a little bit about the, the program that you're working on that's you know focused a lot on the veterans, particularly those with post-traumatic stress disorder, um, You know, and obviously that comes with some challenges. Many of those um, veterans will be facing issues that, um, are you know obviously 
really heavy emotional components, and many of them can be facing the thoughts of suicide and, and uh, things like that. So tell me a little bit about how, how did this come, come into being where we're going to focus on these people? Obviously, they're a, a group in need. They're very much in the news now. Um, and, uh, you know, how, how did this come to, come to be? And if I understand right, it kind of got started here in the Georgia area. Yeah, it's an evolution. Uh, I was able to meet with a couple of colonels out of Fort Benning, Georgia, down near Columbus. And they have uh, a newly formed organization called WTB. It's the Warrior Transition Battalion. Mm -hmm. And they take the veterans that have been wounded, in some cases at Wilford Hall out of Texas or Bethesda, Maryland. Some of these folks, both gals and guys, have been in the hospital two and three and four years from multiple uh, tours and multiple injuries. And I saw a need for something, somebody to support the WTB. That's how it got started. And as we expanded this, uh, we, we got more and more positive feedback and more and more people got on the vendors in the local area, companies in the local area, and our board members and our members at large got involved and supported what we're doing. And we get, we get positive feedback, which is what drives me constantly. When, when you see you have a group of helpers helping these vets and the vets themselves, we have hand-picked helpers. We have a doctor, we have a nurse, et cetera. Because these people are sensitive on medications sometimes and physical injuries. And uh, when you see tears on both sides of the aisle during these the events, that's what drives me. That, that we're, make, we're making a change in these folks' lives. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what is the program trying to achieve when you're working with your wounded veterans? Um, what's, what are we trying to do for these folks? couple of things. Uh, as you said, they've had physical and mental injuries. The PTSD, which is, has been recognized a long time in most of the wars, it's more of a psychosocial injury. Uh, you know, they're not used to seeing their, their friends die right next to them or have a lot of explosions over time. That's psychosocial. There's a TBI injury, traumatic brain injury, mm -hmm. which is an anatomical. It's a physical damage to the brain, multiple concussions. And it so happens that the Iraq and the Afghanistan wars, I was in Vietnam, we have 30% more concussion injuries because of these wars, the IEDs, IEDs right, yes. uh, car bombs, et cetera. And I've got some stories that will relate how we've helped some of these folks. The psychosocial part, we take them on uh, all expenses paid fishing and hunting trips, and we do due diligence to make sure we're not going to cause a problem. PTSD, and you don't want to give somebody with extreme PSD symptoms a gun, obviously. We take them on a fishing trip. I love to fish. All of our folks love to fish. The most, the most uh, I guess, serene time on the, is on the water. It's hard to be angry at anything when you're on the water. And when I see the feedback and the results anatomically and, and psychosocially when they come back from these trips, it feeds our group. Again, when I see tears on both sides of the aisle, they see that we're loving them, we're doing something about it, not just talk, we're walking the talk, and we see the results. And then we follow up to make sure that that, that, that result is consistent. So when you take a, a veteran uh, from this, this group and you, you know, go on, a, on an excursion with them, whether it's hunting or fishing, whatever it may be, the goal then is to kind of get them integrated into some 
spiritual and, and, and emotionally uplifting kind of activities, things that would hopefully help them reconnect with the, the finer, you know, more beautiful things in life that might give them a little bit of a sense of there is really a, a good reason to be here. There's, there's uh, hope yet for me uh, that maybe I can get back and, and kind of rejoin a, a closer to normal life like I had before, you know, I suffered this kind of a trauma. You're, you're exactly right. Hit it right on the head. Some of these folks have been in the hospital or confined to the base or the command for two and three years. Mm. You know, a normal person would have issues with that. Sure. You have a person with PTSD or TBI and or physical, you know, recovery problems, frustration, and not seeing life again. That's the basically it. We try to get them out of that environment. The base commander and the, the head physicians release them to our recognizance. And we, we've had to redefine it as therapy. So they, they, it wasn't a boondoggle anymore. I think that was a dramatic thing that happened a couple of years ago. Some people were frowning that people are going on boondoggles. They need to go on boondoggles. Let's call it therapy. Right. And and so I'm sure that, that you know, treating it as, that, as therapy, you know, obviously gives it a, a legitimate feel and it helps you know, more and more people be able to understand there is value in a program like this and want to involve more, you know, veterans. If you if you get to the Warrior Transition Battalion, uh, obviously many of them are going to have serious physical wounds uh, that they've experienced. But, I mean, do you have to have a, a, a physical wound or can the, the post-traumatic uh, stress disorder be something that's severe enough that that in and of itself yes. is how you end up with the Warrior Transition yeah, Battalion? We, we do both. Uh, and we've expanded based on experience and our, ed- our own education. Mm-hmm. I'm not a physician. I, I was I retired from Baxter Healthcare for many many years, but I have a medical background. But I'm not a physician. But I have physician friends, and we talk constantly. And I see, again, these these vets, both men and women, uh, uh, b- basic cadets or officers, are loaned to us under our cognizance. We do a little bit of due diligence before we take them on these trips to make sure we're not going to cause a problem. You may have a wound that, that will pre- prevent them or medications that will prevent them from going on a trip. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've recently started instituting day trips out of, out of Fort Benning where if the, if the patient, if the vet is too fragile to go on an over, we take them on a one-day trip out and back, fishing only. So we're trying to address the symptoms and the disability with appropriate therapy, if you want to call it that. And it's working great. So tell me a little bit about how, you know, once I'm in the Warrior Transition Battalion uh, program and, you know, they're providing those resources, how do I get linked up, you know, with you and your, your you know, your warrior program that, that you're offering through Safari? We have, we have a great network established, and, and one of the great contacts that I've been able to maintain is the commander of the WTB at Fort Benning mm-hmm. and, and a couple of the chiefs of, of uh, psychiatry down there. And we work through them. We Again, we do a due diligence to make sure that the vets are appropriate for release for these trips. Tell me a little bit about that process, if you can. Well, they, they do some testing on site. Uh, the WTB is a staging area, again, to make a decision whether this veteran, man, woman, uh, spec four or colonel, can be retained in the military or they'll, they'll be let out to, in a civilian scenario. Mm-hmm. So we address that, and the decision is made – that that's what they're going through. The battalion's objective is to heal them and to make them right again. 
Now, are some of those veterans that come through the Warrior Transition Battalion, are they able to get some access to resources, you know, like what you're offering through Safari and obviously through the the military as well? Are some of them able to actually return and be active? Or, yes, or, yes. Or is it to kind of determine what they're going to be doing? Uh, 40 to 60 percent. Uh, are retained in the military, and the other thirty to forty percent, depending on which side of that that number you're on, uh, will be will be uh, you know extirpated into the uh, civilian co- community. I see. And so, for the for the veteran, obviously there there is no cost for, for the veteran. Is that correct? No, that's no. There's no cost at all. It's an objective to heal the vet to make a decision based on their wounds, both you know physical and mental whether they can be retained into the military or whether they need to be, you know, let out, retired. We're, we're, we're talking with Dick Calouette of uh, Safari Club International and uh, their very important uh, humanitarian effort that is aimed at helping uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and wounded veterans uh, be able to uh, experience some uh, situations and some events that will hopefully help them regain some of their um, sense of hope and uh, and purpose in their life so it's uh, it's an exciting program and and uh, as Dick was just explaining it's a, a program that is paid for through charitable work uh, done on by the the Safari Club International so tell me a little bit about that kind of process how how if I'm in the community whether I'm a business leader or you know just me myself how how do I interact with Safari Club in such a way that I can help you know both you know if I want to help Safari Club International in a broad sense obviously that's that's important um, because of the focus of the organization as it relates to um, hunting and conservation efforts things like that but then also if I want to specifically help the the program that's aimed here uh, you know, at this particular group of veterans, how do I how do I get involved? I appreciate your question. We can't get enough feedback. Uh, GeorgiaSafariClub.com is the best way to reach me and or our board, which handles the majority of this. GeorgiaSafariClub.com. And Georgia being all spelled out, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. No spaces. Georgia Safari Club, all one word, dot com. And so on that website, it'll tell me a little bit about there. I, I assume I could probably make a donation through the website itself. You, you can. Okay. You can. We're a 501c3, and, and the vast majority, 95-plus percent of the money, go to the veterans. We don't have any hidden expenses here. So, you know, kind of tell me a little bit about, you know, obviously we have hunting and, and fishing um, excursions that we're working with uh, these veterans on as part of their therapy. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you know what the trips are like. Well, uh, to give you an example, we use one of our one of our uh, Star banner trips is Lake Lanier every summer, one or two trips. Mr. Tommy Bagwell, a huge businessman that I've known for 25 years, has the biggest boat on Lake Lanier. He's been so gracious to let us borrow that boat for our Saturday night cruise. A typical profile of the group would be they would start arriving on Friday at Lake Lanier. We put them up in the Holiday Inn right there incoming. These are all expenses paid. Uh, all I'm amazed at the at the uh, vendors that come out of the woodwork to help when they know what we're doing. You know, a couple of years ago, the the owner of Roosters, uh, I, I called him. We were talking about what we were doing, and I was sort of hinting at maybe a discount for the for the dinner for 22 vets and helpers. He said, "You know, it's been kind of a tough economy lately." He said, "You know," I said, "No, no." I said, "We have it. We have it budgeted for. Don't worry about that." He says, "What are you doing again?" 
I said, we're doing this for the wounded veterans out of Fort Benning. He said, no, no, I've got to help. I said, no, you don't. Just, just, just be able to take it. He says, no, I've got to help. And that kind of story has been consistent from these vendors up in the coming out. Ferguson, uh, Ferguson's Meat Market, who does our uh, catering for that huge dinner cruise we were talking about. Same kind of story. The Holiday Inn coming. Same kind of story. When people hear what we're doing, that there are no uh, aces under the table as far as expenses are concerned. They, they come out to help. What we do, we get them on, on Friday about noon. We have a nice uh, introduction dinner. Not, nothing fancy, you know, ribs and chicken. Let them, let them relax a little bit. Uh, we have an early get-up. We have six bass boats. We have a little tournament on Saturday morning. Two fishing guides out of Lake Lanier are donating the majority of these trips. Six boats with guides, bait, gear, everything. We put a helper on each boat or two, depending on the vet's needs. We have a little tournament. We fish from about 7 o'clock in the morning till about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I don't like to get, keep them out when it's really hot because of some of the medications issues. Mm-hmm. We come back. I let them rest a couple of hours. Then we come back to, to Lake Lanier, and we have a nice dinner cruise on a huge the, the boat's nicer than my house. You know, <laughs> Mr. Bagwell's been so gracious. We have a nice dinner cruise until about 9.30. Then we go back to the Holy and I have an awards ceremony. Everybody's really relaxed. They've been out on the water. They've eaten a lot of chicken and ribs. We have an awards ceremony. And I, I like to make it fun for everybody. We have awards for the first fish, the, bi- the biggest fish, smallest fish, one master sergeant, if he hears this, he'll laugh about this. He got the award one year for the most energy expenditure with no fish. <laughs> we, we all got a cackle out of that. But we have a lot of fun. And I give them certificates. They become ambassadors to SCI. We have a nice time. Sunday morning, I let them sleep in. We have a nice disembarking, not an interview, but a disembarking discussion to make sure everybody's okay. And this is the time when I really see the results of the trip. I've got stories. If we, have, if we had more time, I'd talk at length about some of the results I've seen over a three-day period. Mm-hmm. When you're doing one of your events like this, how many veterans are typically able to be you know, on a given event at a time? We look at the, our capacity. I'd like to have 100, but we typically like, want to have 15 to 20 because I want, to, want 15 to 20 appropriate helpers, if you will. Uh, to make sure that we're, we're addressing the right issues, not harming anybody. If somebody gets a little nervous because of the noises or whatever, we're right there, you know, to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's the limitation that we have right now. What sort of folks are providing their time to, you know, act as, you know, assistants? Uh, what, you talked about having kind of a, uh, a person who provides assistance as needed on the boats or, or you know, that sort of thing. What what kind of folks, where, where do they come from? We, we, they're, they're from Georgia. They're from all over the world, but they're living in Georgia now. And they're, they're generally members of the board or members of our organization. I've got a director of pharmacy, a couple of physicians, a retired Army nurse, sprinkled into our helper group. So we have an if anything happens, we're, we're right there, right there on it. Um, we've selected the people so that we feel very confident they're going to do well on the trip and that we will help them. But if there's a problem, we're able to address it. So when you've gone through, you've obviously done a little due diligence on each participant in the event. Um, do you provide any kind of... Um 
documentation of, of, of their kind of progress or their experience so that the folks that are, you know, helping them from the base side of things when they get back uh, in, in contact with them, are they able to kind of integrate the experience that they had and, and kind of their response to what they got to see and feel while they were there? Does that kind of play into their continued uh, program? Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I ought to expand this year. We let the WTB, when we take them back, do a follow-up because they're keeping all their records on them. Mm-hmm. That, keeps it, that keeps, it, keeps it within the organization, and the, and the physicians have a consistent trend line. Uh, and I, I want to do more to help them with a follow-up. We do follow up. Uh, I've got a sergeant that lives in Atlanta that's retired, and a lieutenant colonel that's about ready to be retired that have both been through the program. They are now two of my key people on helping me organize these trips, helping me do the due diligence, et cetera. One's active, one's retired. They've been been in the program. They understand the system. If I've been on a on an excursion, whether it's a hunting trip or, or in this case, a, a fishing trip, do I have options to stay involved somehow uh, down the road, or is it kind of a you know? Obviously, I mean, I'm sure resources are somewhat limited to a certain extent, but um, can I participate in any form or fashion? down the road once I've been a part of the program. Yes, time. that's one of our primary objectives is, is one of the things I've seen is that uh, when a person has gone through dislocation and physical and mental injuries, dislocation from family, and then when they get back, they have some challenges with their families, some guys sometimes ending up in divorce. They have a little bit of a relapse in the PTSD issues. I've taken one individual on three trips we felt it was needed and we got solid he's now helping us with our trips i'm sure that that's got to be really rewarding for him and 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 is instilling you know that much more of a sense of purpose in his life every day to be able to you know he's obviously walked very much in the shoes of the people that he's working with but i'm sure that for him itself it's got to be therapeutic Um, so many times being a teacher you learn as you're teaching so i'm sure that that's great for him and his own therapy I, i that's the way i felt and he was on suicide watch twice and we've turned him around. We're talking with President-elect of Safari Club International's Georgia chapter about the Wounded Veterans Events program that they have here, one of their humanitarian programs offered through Safari Club International that focuses on providing basically a sense of hope and um, and some therapeutic interaction for veterans uh, who have experienced either uh, wounds uh, that were related to their combat experience or, or uh, you know, possibly both, post-traumatic stress disorder or, or brain injury. Um, and uh, we're talking a little bit about how one becomes involved. They, uh, they get referred through the uh, Warrior Transition Program in Fort Benning. Um, you know, what else, what else do, you, you know, do I need to know in the community in terms of, you know, do I, if I know somebody, uh, maybe they're not a part of the Warrior Transition Battalion yet for whatever reason. Maybe it started after they came home or whatever. If I know somebody, somebody that I care about, a friend of mine or my loved one, uh, whatever the situation may be, if I know somebody, can I possibly refer them for consideration? Yes, exactly right. In fact, what we've seen the past couple of years is based on our expanding network and our results. We're seeing referrals. Somebody heard about this. Somebody talked to a, a neighbor has a friend, has a family member, and they call us and they go, can I go on this trip? And we, we do a little interview, and, and if we can get them on, we will. I've had that happen multiple times. So a vet, just because they may not have gone through a WTB program in Fort Benning, mm-hmm. doesn't defer them from our program. I'll give you an example. I was on a, on a flight going someplace business-wise about a year and a half ago, 
sitting by this gentleman, and we started talking. And what do you do? And I said, well, I'm helping the wounded vets on this trip. He said, you know, I, I was in Iraq. I said, I was a tank commander, and I, I was hurt real bad. And we started talking. He opened up to me, and now he's invited on our trips. He wasn't part of the WTB, but he's been hurt, and it's affected his life. Now, once if I get referred to your program externally, like, you know, like we're talking about either through just bumping into you or, or someone says, hey, I know somebody, you got to contact this group. Um, do you then, as part of you, you, you talked about if I come through the Warrior Transition Battalion, I'm, I'm going to interact with the, the medical team that's managing them to kind of learn a little bit more about their experience. Do we, if you come to me externally through, you know, outside that uh, resource, um, do you then pick up kind of and do some of that same interaction with the, the military resources that they would work with, say, whether it's the VA or, you know, or Fort Benning, whatever capacity it may be, do you then interact with that side, similar to someone who's referred through the program, where you do some due diligence, you learn about their, their background, their experience, their injuries, that kind of thing. Do I then, you know, undergo that a little bit if I come to you through an outside resource? It just depends. I hate to give you a political answer, but it depends. If, if the person appears and through talking to him, through talking to our physician and our nurse, that, that he, could, he could handle it without some further due diligence, he just got some injuries, he's been dislocated, then we will take him in. This one individual I met on the airplanes is a prime example. And, and he, he was having some, some family issues based on dislocation and some continuing physical issues. And we talked about, is the VA supporting you? And, of course, I won't get into that right now. But, yes, to answer your question, we will follow up as much as we can. Uh, you know, with the HIPAA issues and everything, I can't get too involved, but I want to make sure that they're okay before they come on a trip. Our objective is to help, but there's a limit, there's a limit to what we can do. Obviously. Now, if I'm a, a veteran and I'm invited to be included on one of your program excursions, can somebody, a loved one or a, a support person of some kind of my own, are they able to attend with me, or is it really exclusive to to the veterans themselves. When we started, we uh, and, and our board meetings, we discussed this the ver- the very composition of our group. And and I've I've driven, and and the board has really agreed and approved that where families are needed and appropriate, we invite the families. Uh, I can give you a couple of stories as a prime example. We had a had a sniper, army sniper, two years ago in our Destin trip. He arrived with a working dog because he had been shot in the head by an Iraqi sniper twice. He was an 11-story building. He stood up to reposition. He was a sniper himself. A sniper shot him in the head. He was about ready to fall off this 11-story building to his sure death. The, the sniper shot him again in the head, and it, the impact turned him around. He fell on the roof. His, our buddies grabbed him. He came to our trip in Destin with a working dog and his family. I insisted on his family. It, it was tears. I mean, he was a very, just an unbelievable attitude, an unbelievable, two headshots from a high-powered rifle. He lived. God said, not yet. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know what he's doing now? He's out of the military, but he's training working dogs for the military. Wow. But his attitude throughout that, and we reinforced it with his, fa- it was more impactful on his family on that trip than it was to him. He was appreciative, but you could see the family had tears in their eyes because we were showing that we wanted to support the family because they've been hurt as much as he had. Oh, I'm sure. That, that's a great story. Um, Lieutenant Colonel, Iraq, three years ago, 
huge car bomb blew his battalion headquarters away. They were doing triage in the debris. They didn't see any vital signs on this colonel, so they left him alone. And they were working with the other wounded. He lost 12 people in an instant, and I think 37 that were hurt. He coughed. I guess something got down into his esophagus. He coughed. They started working on him. He's helping us now with our due diligence. Unbelievable individual. I could, I, I could go on and on and on. You had mentioned the fact that several of the veterans who have been referred to your program were actually uh, being followed uh, carefully because there had been some indications that they may be at risk for committing suicide or attempting to do that, and that you've actually seen several of those people, obviously one of the ones you spoke about earlier, who had uh, been in that kind of a situation on at least one or two occasions and, and have uh, subsequently been able to kind of move away from that line of thinking. That, that, that's got to be pretty rewarding for you to take somebody who is really thinking that uh, their, their, their situation is so dire and that uh, they just, uh, the, the stress and anxiety that they feel on a daily basis just as a re- residue of what they experienced in these uh, combat situations. I, I'm sure that that is, is uh, very rewarding for you to see um, and I can only imagine the, the gratitude that the families must feel to, to see their loved one turn around like that. It's unbelievable. We had at least three suicides that we've turned around that we know about. Um, and and it, it's real. It, it's happening on a daily basis. We lose about four vets a day currently in the, in the system right now due to suicide. Um, one vet wasn't able to make one of our trips because he had a medication issue. And 10 days later, he committed suicide. Mm. Now, I, I'm not saying that I might have turned him around, but, I, you know, I, I always think about that. Could If he'd come on the trip, could we have made a difference? I'll tell you another story, if, if a story is helpful to you. Lieutenant Colonel shows up. He, he'd withdrawn so much because of battle PTSD that his mother was taking care of him. This is a Lieutenant Colonel, male, strong man. His mother was taking care of him in home health care. Again, our, our super sergeant was able to let that individual, he, he got the mother to promise we would take care of him. She let him go with us. He arrived. He would not look me in the eye. Very withdrawn, you could tell. So we were really easy with him. And I put two different people on him. In fact, Wes Bond, one of our new members, was just a superb individual to work with this colonel. Sunday morning as we were leaving, he is high-fiving us, showing us pictures of the trip and smiling. We took him back to his mother. His mother knows him better than anybody else in the world, hopefully. She said, what have you done to him? I said, nothing. We just showed him a little love. We're following up to make sure it sticks. So you're, you're actually staying in touch with them. Yes. That's great. Yes. That's great. Well, obviously, you know, as you provide this type of program, it's, you know, it's going to be resource intensive. It's not free to go on these types of programs, and, and I'm sure that that commands some financial resources. And, and so tell me a little bit about that side of what you're doing in terms of how you're able to, you know, I, I obviously, you know, in, in your you know years since you've been providing the program, you've come to know some of the uh, neighborhood uh, business people, for example, around a community where you're going to be doing a trip and and they can help you by uh, allowing you to maybe uh, use their facilities, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel, whatever the case may be, for maybe a discounted rate or or what have you. But uh, obviously it's going to command uh, some help 
from a financial perspective on a taller order than that. So, you know, tell me a little bit about that process for your organization and how you drive uh, funds to help, you know, obviously be able to support this amazing program. Yeah. Great question. Everything costs money. You know, the money's run, the world's run by money and politics, you know, and we're talking about the money here. Um, we do we do fundraisers throughout the year. We have a humanitarian banquet at the, at the Georgian Club in North Atlanta. We had, a, we had our annual uh, show and, and a seminar and banquet at the Galleria this, this past February where we, where we sell gear, guns, trips, hunting trips, or whatever, and have donations. And those are the two major avenues other than the vendors. Bass Pro Shop Corporate has gotten involved both in Atlanta and in Destin, Florida, provide a lot of gear. Some of our prizes for the Lanier trip last year were directly from uh, Bass Pro. It makes and, and I had one of the Bass Pro professional guides give out the awards, so we have a, everybody get involved. What do you feel is is you know one of the bigger hurdles that you end up having to kind of tackle trying to undergo your efforts to fund your programs? Do you find it's difficult to have conversations with say, you know, when you start looking at uh, taller sponsors, if you will, say somebody from uh, you know just to throw a name out there that I like, Coca Cola, for example. Uh, if you were to go to a group like that, I mean, how, how difficult is it for you to sit down and have a conversation that, you know, kind of lets you have the opportunity to tell them about, you know, their, your program and why it might be beneficial for them to take part? Most people have been very supportive. Everybody gets impacted by thousands of requests a day. You know, I work with Coca-Cola. I, I work with, I ran into John Sherholz in a hospital a couple of years ago, and he's helped us now, the Braves, mm. you know. And so it's just the people, when you start talking about what you're really doing and that it's all volunteer and the monies go right to the vets, they step up. I would love to be able to get in front of the CEO, the GM of Coca-Cola, and talk more about that process. Bass Pro is involved, though. Night Force, one of the higher optic uh, organizations in the world, have gotten involved big time. So... So sometimes it can be challenging, I suppose, it to is. sit down with the executive. They, you know, as you talk about, they're assailed on a regular basis with uh, great and well-intended programs of whatever kind of sort, whether it's fund breast cancer research or uh, help the veterans here, as obviously is a is a vitally important piece. And I think that it's it's one that, uh, that we're going to be paying a whole lot more attention to as these thousands. I'm not sure what the number is now. But I'm sure it's got to be nearing 100,000, probably close to it, with people that are impacted by either combat stress uh, and or combat injuries. You want a real number? Sure. Two million. Really? Two million. Now, that's encompassing, obviously, all of our veterans, the, not the just veterans, recent wars. The so. veterans that were, that, were, that were wounded, okay, in some way, PTSD and or uh, the, the anatomical injuries and uh, and obviously that that's in, you know we're we're here in Georgia and we're focused a lot on our local communities but uh, you know as we talked before we started today uh, Safari Club International is an international organization um, and our veterans that you talk about here our two million veterans are scattered across not you know not just the United States but but abroad right. so um, you know it sounded like. This program is having such success. It's really beginning to, you know, make people think, hey, we need to be providing this kind of uh, an opportunity uh, in more of our communities. So you're talking about the fact that, um, that, that it's beginning to expand beyond what you're doing here locally. Well, uh, it's been suggested I become a board member of the veterans group and, and Safari Club Global. So I'll be, I'll be addressing that to the, the major group uh, for the 55,000 members here pretty soon. 
and I've had no pushback at all on the discussion. One of the one of the corporate vice presidents, we had a conference call a couple of years, a couple of months ago, and he is totally supportive of this. So I feel like we're going to be able to expand it. But we do need do- dollars, dollars, and uh, anybody that has resources that can help with the organizational issues with with planning, you know, we do it as an as an organization, and it gets taxing sometimes, especially when you have physical and mental issues with the vets. Mm-hmm. So. Y- how does how does one find out about the things that you're doing? Um, you know, you talked about you got a fundraiser coming up uh, that's kind of a dinner with an auction component to it. How how does one find out about it? Did just did they just have to go on to the Safari Club website? Website, yes. Our our Georgia website will have a have a complete rundown. It has some pictures of past trips, uh, and we do not just veterans. We do a youth trip for ducks up in North Georgia. We do a bunch of things. And you're on social media as well as the, Facebook. Okay. And not on Twitter just yet. Not on Twitter just yet. We're working on that, yes. Okay. I haven't uh, linked up with you just yet on Facebook. We'll do that before the end of the day so that that way our listeners um, that, that are familiar with me and, our, and, and the show can actually get access to you know the guests that come on our program. And, and obviously, they can go directly to you there. And I'm sure if they get to the Georgia um, Chapters website, they can probably link up with you on Facebook as well. So, you know, every time I do a show, I'm always amazed at how quickly the time goes by. Um, if you had, you know, some some points that you really wanted the listener out there, whether it's a, a, a business leader here locally, because um, obviously a lot of our listeners that listen to our programming um, are business executives of different kinds. They're also humans. Uh, you know, what, what kind of message do you have for the listener today? I mean, that you, you know, that you want to go before we, you know, have to jump off. What What do you think? you know, are some key points you want to, to leave with the listener? The first thing that I would say is that, in, in my mind, we can't do enough for these vets. We cannot do enough. They have shed blood, in some cases, their lives. They've been dislocated from their family and friends and, and have been changed forever, in some cases, for the negative. And I, I believe and what drives our organization and me is, is we can't do enough for them. So saying that, that it's an open-ended, that's an infinity. The more organizations that can support us directly with either resources or funds or just the positive thoughts and reinforcement would be positive. Um, so obviously you're, you're a charitable organization, 5013 c So if I, if I contribute, I'm obviously going to have some benefit on the tax, tax day tax as a company. So, mm-hmm. so there's benefit to you, you know, if you do participate. Right. And we follow up with thank you letters and all of that. We had letters going out to Coca-Cola and, and you know, Night Force, Bass Pro, et cetera. But I would love, you know, we're, we've got a lot of folks, a lot of corporate headquarters in, in the area. And just get me in front of the CEO or GM, the, the appropriate person, and we'll talk about it. I understand. And, and we have a message that sings very strongly. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really exciting opportunity that I've I've been able to meet you. I mean, it, as it happens, I mean, you came to us through the physician practice that I work with uh, when I'm not here uh, doing this kind of thing. So, uh, how how happenstance is that 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 uh, that we got to know each other this way, and it turned out that we actually uh, have a, a a way that that can give some voice to what you're trying to do here for our veterans, both locally uh, and around the country, and, and indeed uh, globally here as we uh, build on this program here to help our wounded veterans. So. I want to say thank you very much, 
Mr. Cayuette, for taking your time. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've gotten to know a, a few veterans. I've had a couple in my family, um, and so it's it's always an honor for me to get to sit down. I'm, you know, it, I I didn't uh, serve in the military, so to get to speak to somebody who's made the the sacrifice and felt the stress and anxiety that you have to feel uh, when you engage in in those uh, you know situations, it's just uh, it's it's amazing. So I'm very pleased to you know be able to let you come on the show and, and talk a little bit about what you're doing. I'm sure, you know, just about every listener that's going to be listening today is going to know somebody, whether it's their son, brother, mother, father, whatever the case may be. That Every one of us, I believe, given the numbers that you're talking about, everybody is going to be uh, a degree or two away from somebody who's been affected on a significant level uh, through combat activities at some point in time. So I'm very pleased to uh, be able to talk about this program here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, you know, wrap it up. Just be sure to uh, tune in to us right now. We're on every other week on Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Obviously, there's some other topics that we can talk about. So I look forward to uh, having Dick Cayouette of Safari Club International's Georgia chapter come back, talk to us a little bit more about their warrior program. Maybe some point we can have uh, one of your, you know, one of your, you know, benefactors, if you will, one right. of the one right. of the gentlemen or or. or ladies that have been able to participate and see benefit in your program. I'm sure that that would be a great experience for them. And uh, I believe that the uh, listeners out there would love to hear the story about uh, what they experienced and then, you know, how they were you know, benefited by being able to access this program. So again, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, make sure, uh, just give us the website one more time for the person who needs to go out and see what you got going GeorgiaSafariClub.com. All right. Take, okay. take some time, go out there, check out the Georgia Safari Club's website, uh, link up with us on Facebook. We'll be linked up with them there too. Uh, this is CW Hall. I'll see you in a couple of weeks.